Thank you. You may be seated. God bless you. It is a delight and honor for us to be here with all of you at Faith Chapel, your family. And Pastor Brad and Beth are wonderful people, and we love them and admire them for who they are and how God's using them. And so thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's just a delight, and I was just thinking during the worship time that this is truly a refuge to come and be refreshed, and I need that. So thank you, and I just commend you for your desire to worship, and I just admonish you not to take that for granted, but to work on it and continue to worship the Lord, that that would provide an environment in this family, in this place. It's so important, so thank you for that. Amen. Well, there's a lot going on, and I want to share a little bit. Pastor Brad has allowed me, we're going to be coming back in December to share more about missions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold a lot of the information about missions in Samuel's house until December. But I'll tell you a little bit, Venezuela, as you know, is in a crisis. <laughs> and there's uh, really, I guess to explain it, it's a long, detailed process, but really two things are, are involved. One, socialism, and two, corruption. And then the darkness of the enemy. And God has a plan for Venezuela. And we're praying, we're believing God for that great country. And about three years ago, the Assemblies of God leadership in Springfield in the missions department talked to us and the missionaries in Venezuela about the need to leave. That was three years ago. And we told them, no, everything's fine. We're okay. Don't worry about us. Everything's going good. Well, that was three years ago. And, and sporadically, they would remind us of that. Now, do you need to leave? And it was just a couple of months ago, a few months ago now, when they made the decision that they're not giving us an option anymore, said, you all have to get out of there. And the main reason was not because of the, the food shortage, but mainly because of the, the violence and the crime. And what has happened, the, the gangs that are in the different areas uh, eventually consolidated across the nation to form like a mafia. And there is absolutely no value of life anymore. And so they will just, you know, if you just look at one of them wrong, they'll shoot you. And uh, we've had several people in our church and our, our friends who have been, have been shot and for no reason of their own, but just because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the Brazilian Assemblies of God have removed their missionaries, has brought them back to Brazil, and now the United States, the, the um, missions department has brought us out. And so we met, and they told us that all of the Venezuelan missionaries need to pray and find a spot where God wants them to go because Venezuela is going to be closed for a time, a season. We don't know how long, but for a season because of the, the situation. And so all of the missionaries will go uh, be reassigned to different countries where they will go and live and, and begin their ministries there. But 
Patty and I have been in Venezuela almost 25 years, and that's home to us, uh, our friends, families there, and we're just like, God, we just can't, we just can't, we just can't turn our back on them. We can't. And so we begin to pray, and we said to our, the leadership, you've got to work with us here. And we told them what we wanted to do, and we, we shared with them, we want to be able to go in and out of Venezuela, and much like what they've done in Cuba for a number of years, we've not had any uh, resident missionaries in Cuba, but we've had a number of missionaries go in and out and work with the national church. And so we said, that's what we want to do. We, we can't lose touch with Venezuela. And so they graciously agreed to let Patty and I stay Venezuelan missionaries. And so we will be going in and out, and we'll be working with the national church and the leadership there. And then also, we're going to be able to be a part of Samuel's house. And so we have great leadership there. Praise the Lord. From the very beginning of Samuel's house, we had a lady by the name of Jasmine who worked with us. And in the beginning days when we had no money, she worked for free. In fact, there were times of needs that we needed things that her and her husband paid and bought them for Samuel's house. And then when time uh, we were able, we began to give her a salary. But she stayed with us from the day one. And so now she is there. She's the director of uh, Samuel's house, and, and God is using her, and it is in good hands, and we are still in contact with her, of course, and now we'll be able to, to maintain that relationship and go in and out and be a part of what God's doing in Samuel's house. But there was something else. God was preparing us, and we didn't even realize it at the time, but in May, we were able to go to Europe and work with three missionaries who just happened to be Venezuelan. Do you know Venezuela, the assemblies of God in Venezuela have over 20 missionaries around the world. They have some in Europe, Africa, Asia, in the Caribbean. They have some in the United States and other parts of Latin America. And if anyone has suffered from the crisis of what's going on in Venezuela, it's been the Venezuelan missionaries. They've not been able to get their finances to them. Uh, some of them have taken on secular jobs just to be able to stay where God's called them to work and establish a work there. And when we were with them in, in May, not one of them ever asked me for an offering. But they said, Brother Gary, could you come and do some Holy Spirit conferences? Could you come and do some leadership uh, workshops? Can you just get us some discipleship material that we can use for our church? And God began to prepare our hearts, and I love missions. And our church in Caracas and, and our churches that we've started have missions conventions every year, and we believe in missionaries. We're involved in missions. And so God is allowing us not only to go into Venezuela to be missionaries, but now to take Venezuela to the world because the second part of our work is going to be going to work shoulder to shoulder with those missionaries. We're going to be able to go in and be with them and help them in the different parts of the world where they're at. Is that cool or what? 
the national superintendent in Venezuela was talking to him and he said, Gary, our missionaries just need a pastor, somebody to love them and care for them and help them. And that's what we want to do is to go and encourage them and just, just uh, help them and lift up their arms. And I already know, and we haven't even started that yet, but I know the Faith Chapel is going to be a part of that in different parts of the world. And so uh, I'm excited about what God has in store for us. So it's exciting. Thank you for your prayers, for your offerings, for your support, and the, the things that we've gone through and, and what we've experienced over this past year. Is, uh, has, it's been rough, but we have felt the prayers of Faith Chapel. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers, for your offerings, for your help. And now with the offering to go to Samuel's house, I just wish that you all could be there every Christmas when they open their gifts, not just the children, but the parents, the house parents, and they see what you bought them. It's just, it's just phenomenal to see the looks on their face as they open that, and it's exactly what they were hoping for. You have been a part of it, and we thank you so much. And now the offering, part of that is going to go for food, and for us that may, may seem like a strange uh, request, but for Samuel's house right now in the situation that Venezuela is in, it is going to fulfill a huge need just to be able to buy food for them. God has been faithful. He has helped us, and uh, we have... Uh, been able to give them food, but this is going to provide a huge blessing for them by providing food. I've had several organizations talk to me since I've been back, and they said, we want to send in a container of food. And that would be awesome, but the problem is the government will not allow it. They're not allowing food to come in. And so the best way to be able to get the food is through offerings. And so your offering is going to be able to help buy them food. We still are able to transfer money into the account of, of Samuel's house, the foundation. And so uh, right now that's still the best way. And they get every penny that you send, that you designate for them. And my mother, before she passed away last year, was retired, and she had two or three ladies that were friends of hers that she uh, kept in touch with every day. They would call, how you doing? And on more than one occasion, one of these dear ladies would call my mom and say, I have a check for $25 for Gary. I just want to help him in what he's doing. And I want you to know, that the offerings we receive, we know that they're from God and that people sacrifice to give them to us. And we don't take that lightly. We use them according to God's direction. And so everything you give, you can be assured, goes to where you designate it to go to. So thank you for your giving. And today, what a blessing. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. I want to share with you today a message called Priest and Kings. 
I'm going to hurry. I know we don't have a lot of time. A pastor turning his, uh, his pulpit over to a guest speaker, said, you can preach as long as you want, but we leave at noon. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, a scripture very familiar with the church or to the church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And during worship time, I saw two things in the spirit that were here. One was the face of God, and we know the face of God represents the presence of God. And secondly, the mercy of God in this place. The scripture is saying more that you are just weird people. Some people give us that title because they don't understand who we are or why we do what we do. Like, yeah, that church down there, they're just weird. But to us, it's not that at all. Yes, we're different, but it's because we have been called unto something greater. And when you have a touch of the presence of God in your life, you cannot be the same. Something happens in you. A light switch comes on, and now you are connected to the very presence and power of God and the Holy Spirit. And so it's not just that we're a weird or strange people, but it's because we are a chosen people, the people of God. So what I want us to look at today is what our purpose in life really is, the vision of the church, and that we are a special called people. Now, normally in the church, we think there are two groups of people. Over here, you have the reverends. Somebody called me this week and said, is this Reverend Gary, Reverend Heine? I said, well, it's Gary. <laughs> oh, I heard you were a reverend. I said, well, I prefer Gary. <laughs> Over here in the church world, we have the pastor who are, who the pastors who are considered full-time in the ministry anointed to preach. But over here we have the rest of the congregation who are the laity, lay people, who are volunteers. But somehow the anointing upon them is not quite as great or the work that they do is not quite uh, measure up to the work of the pastor. But that is a fallacy that man has created. That doesn't come from God. According to God's word, we are all together. We are anointed by the same Holy Spirit. We are all called to the work of the Lord. We have different places to be. We have different positions, but we are all just as important. 
We are a royal priesthood, a group of people, and even though there are pastors who are dedicated to full-time ministry, but the people in the church are still anointed to the work that God has provided for them to do. Some people have the attitude, well, I'm not as important because I'm not in full-time ministry. That's just a lie from the devil. That's not true at all. You are anointed. You walk with an authority, a kingdom authority to do the work of the Lord. The anointing is upon you. You are not inadequate because you are not a pastor. You are anointed to do what God has called you to do. Both groups are important. And when both groups understand what their calling is and where God's placed them, then they can come together to fulfill the will of the Father. When we look at the role of the pastor and and then we look at the, the group that is with the pastor. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 describes it very well. And in the King James Version, it says it like this. And he has made us to be kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Said he has made us to be priests and kings. That's what I want us to look at today, the priest and the kings. But in the, in the setting of priests and kings, they work in conjunction. They work together. It's not, well, he has his ministry, and they, they have their work, and, and uh, yeah, we get together once in a while. No. We are a team. We work together. Priest and kings. Every believer has a calling of God upon their life. And when you say, well, I'm not, I'm not the pastor. I'm just a teacher in Sunday school, or I'm just uh, a Bible study leader, or I'm, I'm uh, a deacon, I'm just this or an usher. You are losing, you're missing out, on what God has for your life and what your anointing really is. You are important. Your anointing is important. And when you come together with the pastor and his anointing, then the work of God is done. Every one of us have a calling and an anointing. So let's look at the priest for a minute. The pastor would be the priest. He's the priest of the home, the priest of the house, the family of God here, the local congregation. And so, yes, he may or may not be in full-time ministry, but he is still the leader of the house. And obviously, under God, we assume we know that. But he is the one that hears from the Lord. He's the one that God speaks to. And in the family of God, there's really not a democracy. It's not like, well, let's all vote on it and decide, and somebody said, no, that's not of God. Really, what God 
has done, has, lift, has, has lifted up or has, has appointed a leader who becomes the priest of the home, the family, and they go in like Moses up on the mountain. He hears from God and comes back and says, this is what God's telling us to do. Or Moses would go into the, it says, the tent of his presence. And everybody would stand back and watch because when he came out, his very countenance was going to be different. And when they opened the door of the tent, the presence of God would come, would come barreling out. And so the leader, the pastor, who is the priest of the home, of the congregation, goes and hears from God. He comes back to communicate, this is what God is telling us. And so really what he's doing is sharing the vision. So it's the pastor's responsibility as priest of the home to share the vision of the house. Here's where we're going. Here's what God wants us to do. Now, let me tell you, the vision of God is more than just a building. It's more than just buying chairs. Oh, if we could just buy 200 more chairs, then, you know, no, that's not a vision. That is just a step to get to the vision. So it's greater than just something tangible. The vision is supernatural. And if we can accomplish it in our own, in our own power, then it's really not a vision from the Lord. A vision is something so huge that we recognize we cannot do it in our own abilities. So the pastor, as the priest of the home, he shares the vision. This is what God's saying to Faith Chapel. This is what he wants us to do. And I know that part of the vision that you have is to feed uh, children, school children in different parts of the world. Part of your vision is to reach out and take care of children in Samuel's house and other, other areas that you minister to. That's part of your vision. That's who you are and what you do. That's the, one of the visions of the church. And so as Pastor Brad shares that with you, he is the priest sharing the vision. He brings the vision. He shares the objective. He communicates it. You know, in Ephesians, a scripture we all know in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, where it talks about the fivefold ministry, and then it says, for the perfecting of the saints to do the ministry. So the pastor is investing in you to disciple you, to train you that you can go and do the ministry. So you may not be a pastor behind the pulpit, but you are a minister where God has placed you at. Everybody cannot be the pastor. Who would we preach to? Who would we minister to? So God puts pastors in position, but he raises up those within the home, the family of God, to do the work of the ministry. So if he's the priest, that would make you all the kings. That's not a bad title, you know. You 
are the kings. If the pastor's the priest, then you are the kings. So the pastor brings the vision of the house, and the kings bring the provision of the house. Are you with me? You can have a vision, but if you don't have the provision, you can never fulfill the vision. And so when the priest and the kings work together, the vision is achieved. And ultimately, God gets the glory. And so where God has strategically placed each one of you in your ministry and with, your, with, with his anointing upon your life is to go forth and bring in the provision to the house of God. Once in a while, we grumble. Oh, I have to go to work on Monday morning. Yeah, I've got to go to work tomorrow. But when we begin to understand where we are, where God has placed us, is far more than just a paycheck. God has strategically placed us and positioned us where we can literally take dominion of where we are, according to Genesis. Remember, he said, go forth and take dominion. That means to conquer the area around you for the kingdom of God, to expand the kingdom of God where, you at, where you're at. So if you work in an office or a business or a school or a, a, medical, a medical place, wherever you are, you are literally an agent, an ambassador of the kingdom of God bringing that kingdom into that area where you are every day. Woo! And through that, you are bringing in the provision to the church or to the, the, the family of God to fulfill the vision. It's more than just a job. You are anointed to go forth to conquer and God placed within every man's heart the desire, the need to conquer. And unfortunately, many men, they abuse that because they really don't understand their purpose in life. And so when, when they conquer something, they're not, they're not satisfied, so they go and try and conquer something else or someone else. And then when they do that, they just leave them and go try and conquer something else because there's an innate desire within us to conquer. And God is telling us, your domain for to conquer is where I placed you in the marketplace. To take the glory of God in there and bring the provision into the house. You are the kings to bring the provision. Your anointing is just as important as the anointing of, of Pastor Brad. Your anointing is go to the school as a teacher, as a counselor, to go to the business place as an as a employee or as an owner of a business, and that place to permeate the presence of God. 
construction, bankers, whatever it is, wherever God has placed you, it's with a purpose. The marketplace. So as priests share the vision, the kings provide the provision to fulfill the vision. Now the priest or the pastor, he can say, this is the vision every Sunday, every Sunday. And before he even says it, you know what he's going to say. This is what God's called us to do. But if the provision's not there, it can never be achieved. It's when we connect together and we become a team and we understand our anointing is just as important and just as powerful as the anointing upon the pastor. We need the kings. And when we unite, we become a powerful team. Down in... South Alabama, there's a church who has come to Venezuela several times to work with us, and just wonderful people. And I was there in their town to speak in their church, and the day the pastor says to me, Brother Gary, come with me. I want, I want to introduce you to somebody. And on the way to the man's office, he told me, this is an, an attorney that attends our church, and there was a long uh, testimony there. I won't share all that. But this man, on the first day of every new year, on January 1, I go to his office, I meet him, and we pray together for God to show him what he is to give to missions in this new year. And that was the desire of that, that man, that attorney. So I went, and the pastor introduced me to him. We met. He was a very, very nice guy. And we were talking. I thanked him for his help, for his generosity. And I said to him, you know, one year you need to come down yourself and see what we're doing and what your money is going for. And he said to me, you know, that's not what God's called me to do. He's told me to stay here to provide for the others to go. And the Lord showed me in that moment that this man understood his calling as a king. Through his offerings, he, he himself pretty much paid all of the, the, uh, the trip for the whole trip for the group that went from their church. He said, I know what my calling is. I'll stay here and provide and fulfill. When we understand what our calling is, the anointing upon our life, all of a sudden we move into a whole new realm. We begin to understand we have a purpose. What God has called us to, where you are at, during the week, it's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It's not because you couldn't get any other job. It's because God says, I need you right here. And when you begin to speak healing, and you begin to speak love and joy and minister to those people around you, the kingdom grows. And the work is accomplished. You are called to be a king. You are just as anointed 
in your calling as Pastor Brad is in his. Not a second-class citizen in the kingdom. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. We are all important to God. You're called to be a lawyer, a plumber, a carpenter, a teacher, a business owner, a counselor, whatever it is that God is, has positioned you to do. You are called by God to do that. It's with purpose to take the kingdom to them. Go and take dominion over the earth. As a king, you are part of a bigger vision than just you. Isn't that awesome? If each one of us have our own little vision, we can accomplish stuff, but when we come together as a team, we can do so much more because we are a team. When we first started Samuel's house and we miraculously got the property, the first 30 acres, or excuse me, 18 acres, 17 acres, Patty and I thought that we would just build as, as the resources come in, which would be probably 12 to 15 years to be able to build all the houses. But right after we bought the property, I heard about a man um, who might be able to help us with some of the, uh, the designs. And so I invited him down with, with another person I knew to come, or actually the other guy asked if he could come with him. And I never met him before, and so while we were in the car going out to the, the property, I, I asked him, are you a contractor as well? Because that's what they were there for, to kind of give us some ideas on plans and, and uh, construction. He said, no, I own a, a little metal shop. I said, oh, well, that's great. We talked. We cast vision. We shared that night. We went back to the house, and Patty and I had already drawn up like uh, some house plans on a little piece of paper. This is what the Lord has showed us what we want to do. Uh, how can we do it? Do you have any other ideas? And at the end of the, the conversation, he said, what's it cost to build this house? And I said, well, we estimate about $20,000. And he said, okay, I'll build the first one. I never met him before. And then we just about finished the first house, and he said, let's start the second one. And then the third one. And went on. And God put him in our life for a season to help us in the, in the initial stages of that. I never met the man before. Well, come to find out, about three to four months before he came down, him and his wife, maybe it was just a little bit longer than that, him and his wife had been praying. His wife was a, was a godly woman. They'd been praying, and they prayed, God, we want to do more for your kingdom. If you will help us in our finances, we want to invest into missions. And it was right after that prayer that his little metal shop received a... a government contract for the military, what was happening in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he became a multimillionaire very quickly. 
God honored their commitment, and the very first project in missions they were involved in was Samuel's house. He was in our lives for a season. Great people, but he understood, they understood what their calling was, what they did. It was not just to get a bigger boat and a second boat and another lake house and then something on and on and on. No, it was to invest in the kingdom of God to fulfill the vision we had for Samuel's house. And the things that we buy, I'm not saying they're bad, I'm just saying you have a greater purpose. It's to fulfill the vision of the house. In 2 Samuel, it says, in the time when kings went out to war, King David stayed home. And unfortunately, we know the sad ending of that story. That was when he saw Bathsheba and, and uh, slept with her. But the whole premise of that is he was not in the place where he was supposed to be. And when we are not where God calls us to be, we become miserable in our job. We become bored with what we're doing because we're not in the vision. But when we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, all of a sudden we're excited about it. It's different. The kings, you have a time and a place appointed by God for this season that you're in. You are doing more than just working for a paycheck. And I know that Faith Chapel is a very generous church. You give not only to Samuel's house, but to other ministries. Freely you give. And I know freely you will receive. You have been very generous. But don't ever give for the wrong motives. Don't give just out of, out of uh, sympathy because there's some poor people there. You're giving because that's part of the vision. Because with that giving, you are reaching people with the love of Jesus. And through that, the kingdom will be expanded. What we do Monday through Friday affects what happens on Sunday. We need priests with great visions, but we need the kings to make it happen. You are important. You're important. Exodus 31, verses 1 through 5, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, Son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kind of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Have you ever said about somebody, wow, they are so gifted, they are so talented? How did you learn that? God helped them to perfect it, but that ability was placed in their life by God, by design. And he has placed in you 
wisdom, knowledge, revelation, and the abilities to perform and produce in the place where God has placed you in so that you can excel and that the name of Jesus would be glorified. It's not by chance that you know what to do and how to do it. So yeah, he went to that, uh, that really good college. He went to, uh, he has his doctor. He knows uh, how to do all that. He might have enlarged and perfected it, but it was put in, into his, his spirit man by God. And we've heard some people are taught, but some people were born with it. I believe every one of us are really born with those abilities. And then we learn to perfect them. And that's the way it is with you and Faith Chapel. I believe God has placed special giftings inside of the people of this church, the kings of this church, to provide the provision to do wondrous and marvelous exploits around the world. We have a pastor friend who had an incredible vision to reach his city And he wanted to do a dream center in this town. He wanted to do other ministries to reach uh, the lost and the poor and so on. And he began to pray, God, would you raise up within our church? He didn't pray, bring them in. God, would you raise up millionaires within our church so that we can fulfill the vision? Unbeknownst to him that there was an engineer in his church that every day at noon, him and three or four other engineers would get together, they would eat their lunch, and they would just cast vision. They would dream. They would talk about what, what we can do, what we can invent. And they come up with, a, with a, uh, an idea, and they begin to, to create it. And when they got it to the point of trying to market it, they went to the, the Nokia phone company, or Nokia, Nokia phone company, and said, we need startup capital. Could you loan us the money to start producing this item? And after the, the phone company, the Nokia, researched and studied it out, they said, no, we will not loan you the money. We want to buy that from you. And Overnight, every one of those men became multimillionaires. And that Sunday, after the transaction was made, the engineer put the first check into the offering. He understood what was within him. And what I'm saying to you as kings of the house, don't underestimate yourself. God has a plan for your life. God has gifted you and anointed you to do great things, to invent. And I, I just believe God is releasing the spirit of creativity in this place, in this house, 
for you to dream. And that there's some of you who have years ago have put, um, uh, folded up your dream that you had and, and put it in the shelf, put it in a drawer because somebody, maybe even a family member, said to you, forget it, that'll never happen. You can never do that. And they convinced you of it. And you put your dream and the vision God had given you into, the, into a drawer and it sat there for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Today, God's saying, remember the dream. Remember the vision. Go get it. It's time. Dust it off. It's time. I believe God is going to anoint some of you to create new technology. I believe God is going to anoint some of the young people to create some apps for the, for the, uh, the phones, to create different apps in the, in the technological, uh, uh, the, the field of technology. God is going to use you. God is going to anoint some of you young people in the area of academics, in the area of, of athletics. And you're going to excel. And when they become, after you excel and you become well-known and they come to interview and say, where did you learn to do that? You're not going to say, well, I trained for 20 years. No, you're going to say, on national wide TV, God gave it to me. Because God is expanding his kingdom and God is raising up kings to fulfill the vision of the house. You are important. You are a part of what God wants to do in Faith Chapel. It's not just money. It's fulfilling the vision. It's not just working in different areas of the church. It's to fulfill the vision of the house.